Look, they saying they made me. Huh, make another one. I had to take my spot. And I'll take another one. Yeah. They couldn't break my mother's son. Huh. They couldn't break my mother's yeah. son. You running the race, you never won. You running the race, you never uh, I was just hated. Just hated. And degraded. Uh, now they see a nigga made it. Huh. Now they saying I'm their favorite. I, Look, huh. I gotta watch the snakes. Huh. I see the lies inside their face. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you do me a favor, please subscribe to whoever you're listening. Please subscribe to whoever you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. It's hard when, you know, on sports, po- the, the, the challenging thing a lot about sports podcast or podcasting in general, when you're talking about or when you're trying to talk about multiple different subjects is the... You try not to fall into the biased category because, I mean, I'm a sports, I'm a sports head. I'm a sports fan. I watch sports. I'm a basketball head. Um, it's hard. It's it's hard for anyone to not put their biases and anything on their opinions because it's their opinions. Like it's hard. I, I'm sure it's hard for Stephen A. Smith not to be biased about the New York Knicks. It has to be. I mean, he's so rooted in the New York Knicks. You see how how he be going off and everything about the New York Knicks. It's hard for Magic Johnson to not be biased about the L.A. Lakers. You can say the truth about them, but it's hard not to be biased. And why did I start off with that, man? So we all know, everyone that listens to the podcast, everyone that knows me, knows that I am an avid, diehard North Carolina fan. So, you know, the the... Joyous, the joy I felt, you know, beating Coach K in his last home game, then beating Coach K in the Final Four to make it to the national championship. I was elated. I was ecstatic. I was a, 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 I was a fan, and it was fun. But with that being said, let's start. Let me let me start by saying congratulations to the Kansas Jayhawks for winning the national championship, beating. North Carolina, 72 to 69. Let me first dispel some things before I really get in depth with this game. Yes, North Carolina was dealing with injuries. Amano Baycock, he left the end of the game, which I do think it affected the end of the game, but I don't I don't think that affected the entire game. Um, Puff Johnson got hit in, the, hit in the stomach and he was throwing up. Uh, Caleb Love twisted his ankle. It was a lot going on injuries, injuries from an injury standpoint from from North Carolina side. However, I'm hearing a lot of people, or I'm looking at a lot of people, and saying that injuries was the biggest reason that North Carolina lost the game. As a North Carolina fan, let me be the first to say injuries was not the reason that North Carolina lost this game. Let's let's talk about the first half first. North Carolina came out blazing. Well, actually, they came out struggling. I think it was like 7-0 before they even scored. And then, you know, Brady Manning started going crazy. Uh, Abano Baycock, they started getting, you know, Kansas started getting into foul trouble early. And North Carolina built a, a what, 16-point lead or in – 
if you remember the Kansas Miami game, you remember that I think Miami went into the to halftime with like a six or seven point lead or something. And just like that, Kansas ate that lead up and destroyed them. So I knew that Kansas had the ability. Like I was I was excited watching the game. I'm I'm gonna talk about my personal feelings during this uh this segment or or how I felt about the, you know watching the game. I was I was confident that we were up, you know, what I was it was like forty to twenty five. I was confident we were up at halftime, but I understood I just saw Kansas wipe out erase a six to seven point lead one well, I know 15 16 points is not six or seven but I saw Kansas wipe out a six point lead in a span of two two minutes not no in fact not only did they wipe out a six point lead they were up by like 15 in like three minutes so I knew how explosive Kansas can be. I mean, when you have Wilson, when you have uh, McCormick, when you have uh, Abaji, when you have uh, Brown or Braun, however you say his last name, when you have Remy Martin coming off the coming off the bench, I knew they were good enough to score, and I knew North Carolina had to maintain their composure. Because there's a reason why Kansas is a number one seed. You know what I mean? Uh, now, credit to North Carolina. Usually, um, as you saw all season, they would go up against big big opponents. They would go up against teams that a lot of people deemed, you know, a lot of people deemed were better than them and then they would fold like that they did that all season well not all season they did that especially beginning of the season hell people was calling for herbert davis job you know what i mean like it was it was it was a tough sledding for north carolina but they made it there i say all that to say the second half of the national championship is exactly and this is why this is honestly the biggest reason why kansas was a number one seed is because they understand adjustments they understand how important adjustments are they were able to adjust and with them adjusting they they erate they became the first they they became the first team in in ncaa history to be trailing by 16 or more points and come back and win um now again I do think that injuries played a big part at the end of the game. You know, Amando, ba- Amando Baycock, he twist, retwisted his ankle. He had to go out, so we definitely lost some size, which you saw the last two possessions that Kansas had. Uh, McCormick, you know, he Brady Manning had to guard McCormick, which is a definite mismatch. He would talk about size. And McCormick was able to get two uh, hook shots on Brady Manick. Um but it was all about adjustments. That's that's exactly that's exactly what we saw. Kansas not only adjusted to their or adjusted their defense, but adjusted their offense. In the first half, they were doing they were really taking nothing but threes and it wasn't like nobody was hitting. No nobody was hitting. I know Abaji Abaji hit like the first three of the game. First three of the game and then that was it. Um, but but outside of that, nobody was hitting. I mean, if you really look, 
Kansas as a team went six for 17 from three. And it was honestly Remy Martin hitting, I think, like four of them in the second half. Um, now, North Carolina didn't do no better. They were five for thir- five for 23 from three. But even still, you know, uh, Kansas showed why they were a number one seed. And, and you know, shouts out to them. They That first half was looking bleak. And... But this, you know, the second half they came and they just they 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 I mean they beat North Carolina forty seven to twenty twenty nine in the second half. I mean, you know, you let a team score forty seven points in a half, you're going to lose. But shouts, you know, and and I guess I'll put my bias hat on. Shouts out to North Carolina, man. They definitely, again, they're an eighth seed. I think that's like the fifth time or something that an eighth seed has ever been in the national championship or something. It, it, it's, it's, it's rare. And they deserve to be eighth seed. They, they didn't have the greatest season, but you know, they came on late. Shout, there's there. They have nothing that, well, uh, I can't, it's hard to say they have nothing to hang their hat on because they were up 16. Um, and, you know, their best players didn't really like Caleb Love. He was five for 24, one for eight from three. Uh, Brady Manick was three for six from three. But I think most of those, most of that's, well, I think two of the three uh, threes he made was in the first half. Amano Baycock was three for 13. He did go nine for 13 from through free throw line, though. Um yeah, man, it's it's North Carolina is not a deep team, so you're gonna play six to seven people, and they played one, two, three, four, five, pretty much six because McCoy came in for two minutes left. So, um, oh, shout out to Puff. He had like eleven points, and he yeah, Puff Johnson throwing up dude, he had eleven points. But yeah, man, uh, shouts out to Kansas. Shouts out to Kansas. They they were the better team. Uh, especially in that second half and shouts out to bill self shouts out to the can you know Kansas City Jayhawks for winning the national championship uh it sucks to being a North Carolina fan watching them just squat it it wasn't as bad as well let me say this it was a different feeling for when Baylor was coming back so when Baylor was coming back <laughs> It was just a sense of like, yo, what the hell are we seeing? Like, what are we looking at? Like, how? And you could understand why Baylor was coming back against North Carolina because, you know, Brady Manning just got ejected. Caleb Love fouled out. It was only one pure ball handler on the floor, which was R.J. Davis. And Amano Baycock, I think, had like four fouls, so he couldn't be aggressive. It was – you and – Baylor was a number one seed, so you just you just saw the number one their number one seedness rise to the top. The problem is the free throws and late game situations did Baylor in, um, and North Carolina was able to overall overcome the run in the in in overtime. Watching North Carolina, uh, watching North Carolina squander a sixteen point lead. I say it felt different because you I was look you were looking at it and you were seeing the better you were seeing a team that was so discombobulated because of the adjustments that Kansas was making. 
Kansas was doing what they should. If the, Kansas was doing what they should have done the first half, and that was utilize not only their strengths but exploit North Carolina's weaknesses, which were North Carolina has had a problem all season with fouls. I mean, Leaky Black getting four fouls was huge, especially for a team that is not deep. It was huge because um, you had to bring in now Puff Johnson. Puff Johnson played 18 minutes. I know that may not sound like a lot, but Puff Johnson is not a is not a was did not wake up the national championship day expecting to play eighteen minutes. Uh, it's you know, but is what it is. Shouts out to North Carolina. Uh, I think you know, I know, uh, I don't, I know Brady Manick. He's he's gone. His eligibility probably ran out. I know Caleb Love should uh, declare for the draft. It it was you know shouts out shouts out to North Carolina they 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 had a hell of a season man they had a hell of a season I don't know what Amano Baycock's gonna do he's a junior um and shouts out to Kansas man I know Abaji he's pro he's definitely gone I know he's a senior but he's gonna go to the draft probably McCormick's probably gonna go too um and he's a senior and he's also along with Amano Baycock he's a Kansas. I mean, uh, Virginia product. So, shouts out to shouts out to Kansas for winning the national championship. Shouts out for North Carolina for having a great season. Um, I do. I'm not one of those people where, I mean, you have nothing to hang your hat on, bro. You're playing for the national championship. Like, <laughs> it sucks. Don't get me wrong. It sucks, especially as a fan. You want to see that. Like, you, I want to see them win. Um, but they did what they could do. So, shouts out to North Carolina for. You know, make it to the national championship and having a pretty good season, uh, especially if you look at how the season started to how it ended. You know, I, I hell, we were doing when I had uh, you know, Carl, Carl, Tykira, and Jasmine on when we were doing the predictions. I it was hard for me to pick North Carolina because to me they were a wild card team, uh, and they made it all the way to the national championship. So shouts out, shouts out to them, and shouts out again. To Kansas, I'm not gonna let my fandom overshadow the fact that Kansas won the national championship by three. So shouts out 72 to 69. And moving forward, man, shouts. We talk about adjustments. Shouts out to the South Carolina uh, Gamecocks for beating the Yukon Huskies in the women's national championship. They beat them 64 to 50 or to 49. If you want a synopsis of this game, like you want to know how the game was so lopsided, I will, I will, I will, I will urge you to look at two, two things. One, look at the rebounding disparity. So UConn as a whole, the entire team had 24 rebounds, 24. That's UConn as a whole. That's the whole team. South Carolina as a whole had 49. That's more than double UConn. That's one. Number two. There, coaches aren't going to tell you this. Because coaches aren't going to tell you this because, I mean, you have to pretty much go down with the ship. You're the coach. So coaches aren't going to tell you the truth a lot. 
But there are things and there are times when the truth cannot be. You can see the truth on people's faces. In 2016, Cleveland was playing uh, Golden State in the, in the NBA Finals. Now, this was the first year Golden State was together. Uh, the height of the, you know, Seth, Steph Curry, Katie, Draymond, Clay, Andre Gudala, you know, that this was the team, and they were playing against the the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, you had uh, LeBron, Kate, I mean, Kyrie, Kevin Love. And it was very apparent that it doesn't matter what Cleveland did. You're not beating this Golden State team. The, the Golden State team was completely healthy. JaVale McGee was going crazy. You just weren't beating this team. Now, as a coach, you're not going to say that to your team. You're not going to say, yo, there's nothing that we can do because that's you're not supposed to do that. But if you look at Ty Lue's face, every time Golden State hit a big shot, every time Golden State went on a 5-0, 6-0, 10-0 run, and you look at and you look at Ty, Tyron, Tyron Lue's face or Ty Lue's face, and if you even listen to some of his post game and how like relaxed he felt, or at relaxed he came off as, you know why that is. Because he knew there's nothing that my team can do to win this win this series. Nothing. Yes, we have LeBron. Yes, we have Kyrie. Yes, we have Kevin Love. But they have Steph. They have KD. They have Clay. They have Draymond. They have a slew of incredible players. There's nothing that we can do. Why did I bring that up? Go look at the highlights of... Or go look at yeah, go look at the highlight tape of this of the women's national championship, and look at Gina Oriyama's face. Gina Oriyama, the coach of uh, the coach of UConn Huskies. Go look at his face. Go look at his face and listen to his tone when he was when he had the you know the the interview, the little break interview that he had. You know, I think it was after the first quarter. Or this, or yeah, after the first quarter, look at, listen to his tone, and look at Gina Oriyama's face. He knew that there was nothing that UConn could do. They were outmatched. They they were the lesser team. Now, yes, going into the national championship, UConn had a history of you know Gina Oriyama had a history of being eleven to zero in the national championship. UConn has had some incredible names from Sue Bird, uh, Diana Taurasi, uh, Maya Moore, uh, Tina Charles. They've had Brianna Stewart. They've had some incredible pieces. But that did not matter. (laughs) That did not matter come this national championship, come national championship number 12. Because while, yes, UConn had an incredible road, they beat... um, they beat uh was it NC State? They they beat some tough teams. And you have Paige Beckard, you have AZ Fudd, um, you, you know, you have Westbrook, you you have Edwards, you have some really good pieces. But when you look over at South Carolina and you see Aaliyah Boston, 
who is one of the most dominant players we've seen in years. When you see Beal, who didn't even have a good game, but had an incredible impact. Zia Cook, who got benched the game before and came in and had 11 points, 5 for 13, 5 rebounds. Then when you see the senior, Destiny Henderson, her last game of her college career, dropping a career-high 26 points. When you look at all that, and then you look at you look at the fact that they were dominating. They, there was, yeah, UConn made some runs. You know, UConn push it or no, cut it to like five or cut it to like six. But they could never get over that hump because South Carolina was just that much better. And like I said before, you look at the rebounding, the re- they doubled them, more than doubled. The, South Carolina more than doubled UConn. In, in in rebounds. And then you look at Jory Gino no Gino knew they had no chance. Now I'm not saying you he didn't know that going into the game. But it was very quick and very apparent that you knew, oh, this South Carolina team is this is this is a different level. Like there's there's Yukon and then there's South Carolina. And it's funny, man. Going into the game, you know, going into the, the the tournament, one of the biggest, I guess, knocks on South Carolina was, and and Tykira Carter shouts out to her again. She said it when she came on the podcast. She said, "Teams know one of the biggest problems, or one of the the problems that South Carolina can run into is they have a problem keeping leads. A lot of times, you know, their offense kind of stutters or or." or and and that kind of affects their defense. And Zia, uh, Zia Cook, Zia Cook, and Destiny Henderson start taking wild shots, and teams are able to come back. They lose a lot of leads. Now, with all that being said, they still only lost two games. But one of the, the two games that they lost, they lost big leads. So you'd think to yourself, okay, if you can just keep it close, if you can just keep it close, if you can just keep it close. You have a chance against South Carolina. And like I said, UConn, they 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 were down what 15, 16, and they were down 18 at one point. And, you know, cut it all the way to six, cut it all the way to seven. And nah. <laughs> Again, South Carolina was just methodical. And they they were bigger, they were stronger, they were better. Like, think about this. One, two, three. Three players. Three players on South Carolina had over 10 points. And those three players were the three players that you would expect. Aaliyah Boston, Zia Cook, and Destiny Henderson. And Destiny Henderson, who played 34 minutes, had 26 points. One. Uno. One player for UConn had over 10 points. And that was... Paige Becker, Beckers, who had 14 points. Aaliyah Boston had yet another double-double, 11.16 rebounds, two blocks. It it was just, you know, shouts out to UConn. Shout, you know, they're, they're going to be great. AZ Fudd, I think she was dealing with a an illness. 
They're going to be great. Paige Becker's going to come back. They're going to be good. They're going to be extremely good. You know, a lot of these players are coming back. Um, shouts out to UConn. But also shouts out to South Carolina because they're going to be good too. You know, they they're, they they asked Don Staley, who's the head coach of South Carolina, about the whole dynasty question. And, you know, they asked, is this the start of a dynasty? Again, this is the second... This is the second national championship in what five years? I think they won in 2017 and then just now. So the second one in five years, like they asked, is this a dynasty? Or is this the start of a dynasty? And I honestly think it could. Because of how good Don Staley is as a head coach. Don Staley is a great head coach. Don Staley will go down as one of the greatest head coaches in college basketball history. She belongs now, of course, her her title title uh, ac- acumen isn't up there with Gina Oriyama's, isn't up there with, you know, some of the greats. And I don't think it would get to that. I don't I don't see her winning 11 <laughs> national championships. But Don Staley is one of the best coaches in all of college basketball, both men's and women. And, you know. You you even heard her say there's five star athletes, five star recruits that didn't even get to see the floor and bought and was okay with it, bought into it. And of course, it ultimately rewarded them with the national championship. And I mean, if you look, Aaliyah Boston is a junior. She could possibly come back. Beal is a junior. She's probably coming back. Zaya Cook is a junior. She could possibly, probably come back. Sexton is a senior. She's gone. But I'm just saying, like, they have, again, there was three or four players that are five-star athletes that didn't even get to see the floor, played a minute. And are coming back. And of course, the culture that South Carolina is, you know, developing. I mean, you had Asia, Asia Wilson. Who was a who was a WNBA MVP. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's South Carolina is going to be here for a while. Don Staley has a way. Again, she's one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history. And I know it was early, but you you can just tell she's she again. And, and I don't think that I don't think that she's going to win as many championships as Chino Oriyama. I don't think that she's going to, you know, she I don't think she's putting 11 championships on her belt. But she is two and oh right now. And she I think they have like one of the best, if not the best recruiting class coming in next year. So, shouts out to South Carolina women. Shouts out to the UConn Huskies. Uh, and shouts out for college basketball. I think, um, especially women's college basketball. I mean, this was a great year for college basketball. On the men's side, I think this was the most parity that we've seen ever. I mean, again, you had a number eight seed in North Carolina go up. You know, you had number eight seed North Carolina go to the national championship. You had Kansas, you know, Blue Bloods. You had St. Peter's 
upset K- Kentucky. You had and Purdue. You had Arkansas, which I think, from what I saw, if I don't, if I believe, um, I think they were like the number one projected team next year. You had Baylor. Like this, this was a great year for college basketball. And on the women's side, South Carolina, UConn. You had Louisville. You had NC State. Creighton upset some people. Maryland. Shouts out to Ashley Owuzu. She uh, she's hitting the transfer portal from Maryland. I wish nothing but the best from her. But you know, this was a great year for college basketball. And you know, it's uh. Congratulations to South Carolina Gamecocks and congratulations to the Kansas Jayhawks for both winning national championships. So, moving forward, there's a couple of names. And last, or I think, yeah, last episode, I gave my top 10 teams after free agency. You know, now, of course, free agency is not completely over. There's still some big, free, big names out there. You still have like. Tyron Matthew, Jimmy G, Jarvis Landry, Oda, but you still have some big names. Um, but I gave my list on the teams that I think are the top 10 with moves that have already been made. Uh, or not just teams, transactions. You know what I'm saying? Like who was the biggest transaction, this, that, and the third. So like I said, there are still some names that are free agents. And I'm going to give my best landing spot for them. Um I, I don't. Of course, they can go somewhere else. I don't know exactly where they'll go, but I'm just giving my best landing spots for them. Uh, let's start with Tyron Matthew, who, of course, was on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they they picked up Jordan Reed and essentially let Tyron Matthew walk. Now, Tyron, a lot of you heard reports saying that teams are kind of fearful or they think that he may have lost a step now you can look at kansas you can actually look at uh look at kansas city chiefs game against the the bills and how they were just they were gabriel davis was destroying the secondary you can look at that and say that was tyron matthew right there not because him being out it, it just Tyron Matthew was huge is a huge was a huge piece for the Kansas City Chiefs and I think that he's still a great player uh so where's the best landing spot in my opinion he needs to go to a place where not only does he have free autonomy meaning that he's able to make decisions and he's able to He's able to be a big cog, but I think he, I mean, he wants to go to a win now. So most of these players want to go to a win now situation. Um, but you want to go to a place that needs a safety. Tyron Matthew is still one of the best, if not the best safety in the league. And you want to go to a place that, that needs a safety. I say you go to the Steelers. Now, the Steelers, you have, I mean, the Steelers are known for their defense, clearly. They're known for, well, now this new iteration of the Steelers is, is definitely – no, let me say this. The Steelers have been defensive heavy forever. It's just when you have Big Ben, when you have some of the great offensive players that they've had, their defense kind of gets overlooked. But it's always been defense first. And if you look now, you have Cameron Hayward, you have T.J. Watt, you have Minka Fitzpatrick. I think that Tyron Matthew – is Tyron Matthew – 
is he still good enough to be the best player on defense? No, I don't. I don't. Unless you go to like a garbage team, but I don't. I don't think he's good enough to be the best player on a defense. However, I do think that he is. He will be in a very important piece uh, to any team, and I think that the best team and fit for him would be the Steelers. You know, you pairing him next to Minka Fitzpatrick, like I said, in that backfield, and I think you're probably going to lose Joe Hayden. Um, I, I think it's. I think it's. I think it'd be tough. So I have. I have. I think Tyron Matthews should. I think his best landing spot would be Pittsburgh. Um, Julio Jones. Now, uh, to me, this is kind of simple because we've heard it. Uh, we've we've. That's all. There's only really one team. No, let me not. Let me not say that. I think there's two answers that can be right for Julio Jones. I think the answer that we've heard, which is Indianapolis Colts. I mean, you pair him next to Matthew Stafford. I'm I'm sorry, not Matt Stafford. You pair him next to Matt Ryan. You pair him uh, next to make a make a make a oh, oof. Michael Parsons. Not Mark. What am I talking about, bro? <laughs> uh, Michael Pittman. I'm sorry. You pair him next to Michael Pittman. Uh, it, that 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 would that would be a good a good spot. However, I'm also looking at it in a sense of which team is in dire need of a wide receiver right now and. <laughs> If you look in Green Bay, Green Bay lost their top two receivers, which was Devontae Adams, who was the best, arguably the best wide receiver in the league, and Marquez Valdez Scantling. You lose that. Like you I think Julio Jones would be great and, and very important for Green Bay. Now I don't know if they have the money to pay him, and I don't again. I think I think Julio Jones more than likely will end up in Indianapolis, but I think that would be a great spot. I think he'll definitely be needed and be important in Green Bay. Kind of the same way I feel about the next person, which is Odell Beckham Jr. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. had a had a chance to go to Green Bay, but of course he chose L.A., which ultimately was clearly the right decision that he made because, um, you know, he won a championship or a Super Bowl, but. That tearing the ACL definitely was huge. Um, he's not gonna be he's not gonna be there for most of the season. So I do think that that definitely affected his uh, f- free agent market. Uh, as far as money, I still think that he is a high commodity, and I think that he played himself and showed people that he can still be a number one receiver, uh, even next to uh, Cooper Cup. But I, I just think. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to go back, and I think the best landing spot for him is back with the Rams. Um, the Rams just picked up Allen Robinson, and they also traded uh, Robert Wood. So, and, and again, Odell Beckham Jr. is not going to be ready for majority of the season. So you have you, when he does come back, you have Odell Beckham Jr., you have Cooper Cup, uh, and you'll have like <laughs> Allen Robinson. It, it's with Matthew Stafford throwing you the ball. You still have Cam Akers running the ball. I just think Odo Beckham Jr. can be used, and I think that he would be, he would be needed if you you know look at teams like the Eagles, look at teams like um, Green Bay, look at teams like he probably wants to stay sunny. So look at teams like the Chargers, uh, the Raiders, maybe even though they just got Devonte Adams. But I just think that he's going to stay. I think his best option is to stay with the Rams uh, for maybe a year or two. So 
I just think Odell Beckham would stay uh, with the Rams. I think that's his best his best fit and his best option, or what they what he should do. Then you have Stephon Gilmore, who surprisingly I have not heard much about. Stephon Gilmore is arguably the best cornerback in football, and you know we know the departure that happened with New England, and now you know he went to the Panthers, and it it didn't really work out. He was he did go there, you know he wasn't completely healthy, but Stephon Gilmore again is still one of the best corners in football, and. I'm looking for, of course, I think the biggest reason why he is still a free agent because he wants to go to a winning team and seeing, you know, where he can play best at. Now, my first, my first suggestion or my first thing that I think he should have done, well, he could go is Baltimore, you know, but I don't know how Baltimore is going to pay him because they still ain't pay Lamar. And Baltimore isn't as isn't as bad as people think because again their whole team was pretty much decimated with injuries last year. So the team that we saw last year more than likely is not going to be the team that you see this year. I mean, you're going to get Marlon Humphreys back. You're going to get Mark um, Marcus Pepper or Julie, Marcus. Hmm. You're going to get Peters back. You're going to get the entire running core back. It's just I, I just. I don't know if if they can afford Stephon Gilmore. So I think the best bet for him is to go to I'll say the pit the 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 Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are still trying to um are still trying to uh still trying to build that Super Bowl team. I mean, you have the pieces. They just got Von Miller on defense. I know they love they lost Lovey Lovey uh, Wallace. But you can pair Stephon Stephon Gilmore on the opposite side of uh, Tre'Davious White. Like, come on now. And of course, like I said, you just have you still have Micah. You still have, um, like I said, you just got Von Miller. And it's I think that would be perfect for him. He's he's aging, so he's not you know the 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 cornerback that he was definitely in Pittsburgh. But I do think that. Him being on the Buffalo Bills will definitely help. Um, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry. So we know about him getting released from Cleveland, and then once Cleveland signed or traded for uh, Deshaun Watson, you're hearing rumblings about him coming back. I think that'll be that'll be. Jarvis Landry is not not a number one receiver, so I think that he his best bet is to go to a place that has a number one receiver, uh, but also still needs a receiver. So, um, I think Jarvis Landry would be good with with Oakland. I I not Oakland Vegas. I mean, you pair him. Uh, think about it. They could have Devonta Adams, Jarvis Landry, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller. More than Mary, you know what I mean. I, I, just, I, he could go back to Cleveland, of course, because uh, Cleveland definitely would need him. Even though they did just get Amari Cooper, but again, Amari Cooper is a number one. Jarvis is not a number one. I think it could fit. It's just, are you going to pay? I mean, you did just release him. Are you going to pay Jarvis what he need, what he wants? But I do think that going to Vegas would be good for Jarvis Landry. So I have him, you know, Vegas. Uh, and Jimmy G. I get and I guess this is where we'll end. And Jimmy G, uh, 
that shoulder injury or shoulder surgery definitely hampered his value, and I think they might cut him because I don't think that they can start the season with Jimmy G on the roster, especially with, you know, pretty much putting all their baskets in the in the trade. I mean, in the – what's his name? God damn. In the – in the I, I just don't think that they can I don't think that they can uh, he's been on the trade block for a minute honestly even even after a Super Bowl appearance I just the question is where can Jimmy G go and be like and be effective where can Jimmy G go and they he's gonna have to you're gonna clearly have to trade him um who can use a quarterback right now, man? Uh-huh. Who's a desperate... Maybe the Houston Texans. Maybe the Houston Texans. Yeah. Because if you look, uh, I thought Indianapolis Colts was an option. It's not anymore. Maybe the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons could be... Nope, because they just got Marcus Mariota. Yeah, man, the the market for Jimmy G is definitely the market for quarterbacks is definitely dried up unless the chill top quarterback, which Jimmy G is not. Um, yeah, maybe Houston, maybe Houston, but I don't I don't know because Houston is probably going to try to draft a quarterback or or yeah, I don't know. That's hard. Where Jimmy G? Where should Jimmy G go, man? I don't know. I I think that they're going to probably try to trade him. Um, damn, I don't, I don't know, man. Who, which team needs a quarterback that didn't already just get a quarterback? Because again, the market was wide open for maybe, maybe Seattle. I mean, if I was Seattle, though, I would try to go get Baker Mayfield. But I don't know what the hell Seattle's trying to do. Because all you're hearing now is, is DK going to stay? Are they going to try to trade him after you trade, you know, Russell Wilson? After you trade or let Bobby Wagner walk? I don't know, man. I'm going to say maybe either Seattle or Houston. That Well, that's where I can see. That's where I can see. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't. That's where I could. Maybe Detroit. No, because they have they have Carolina. No, because they're gonna probably draft a quarterback. I don't know. Like I wrote down <laughs> in my notes. I I wrote down uh the Seattle Seahawks. But if I'm Seattle, why not try to go get Baker Mayfield? So I don't know, man. I do not know. Maybe Jimmy G is not a, not a starting quarterback next year. Then in that case, like, why not go to maybe a a Titans or a Colts or I don't know, I don't know. Jimmy G is a tough one. So, um, lastly before we go. Magic Johnson was on first take, uh, was on first take this week, pretty much saying that the biggest reason, okay, let me say, he was talking about DeMar DeRozan not being a Laker, uh, 
and Russell Westbrook being a Laker. And mainly that is because LeBron James wanted Le- wanted Westbrook more than he wanted DeMar DeRozan. And a lot of people are kind of pinning those comments to uh, Magic Johnson blaming LeBron James for this season. Uh, and then you heard Anthony Davis say, you know, how different the season will look if everyone was healthy, if LeBron James didn't get hurt, uh, if he Anthony Davis didn't get hurt twice, if Kendrick Nunn didn't get hurt. Let me first address the Magic John. No, let me first address the Anthony Davis comment. Uh, I agree with Anthony Davis in the sense of the, the, the season will look drastically different if everyone was healthy. If he didn't get go out and miss the time that he did, if Kendrick Nunn was there, if LeBron James didn't get hurt, the league, the, the Lakers will look drastically different. Now, with that being said, do I think that they would? I think that they'd probably be in the playoffs, um, or maybe the play-in, seeing as though they just lost to the Suns last night. I, I, I will say that they would be in the play-in, but. The problems that plagued the Lakers are not problems that would have been justified or been rectified if everyone was healthy. The Lakers still don't play defense. In fact, the Lakers are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. That, while yes, it it would have probably been a little better because Anthony Davis was protecting the rim, they'd still be a bad defensive team. Russell Westbrook still ain't playing no defense. Russell Westbrook still ain't really good shooting the ball at all. So do I think that it'll be different? Yeah. Do I think that they probably be in the playing or playoffs? Yes. Do I think that they have a chance to win a championship? No, because the problems and in, 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 in the problems and concerns that people had going into the season, seeing as though they're the oldest team in NBA history, are even with them on the floor, and Kendrick Nunn, I promise you Kendrick Nunn wouldn't do much to change the situation. But all that, no. People are still going to go at Carmelo Anthony anytime he's on the floor. People are still going to try to make Russell Westbrook shoot the ball. People are still going to go. Quasi's kept LeBron James while he's scoring 30 a game. He still ain't playing no defense. No one's playing defense. And Quasi's kept, we saw what they looked like with Anthony Davis, and while they looked different, they still were losing games they should have lost or they should have won because of the defense. So with this notion that it, it will look different, yes, the, the Lakers will look drastically different if Anthony Davis and Kendrick Nunn didn't get hurt. But would they be in the same situation as far as underachieving, have no shot and win the championship? Yes, in my opinion. Now with the now with the Magic Johnson comment, I understand that LeBron James is LeBron James. Trust me, I understand he's, a lot of people's eyes, he's the greatest player of all time. I get that. But there's reason why there's roles. And I know it's harder, harder, you know, said than done. But there's a reason why there's a difference between an owner, a GM, and a player. The GM slash owner's job is to make 
the best decision for the team. Now, a player is always going to look what's best for themselves. Like, you know, a player is always going to want to play with people. A player is always going to have input, which which they should. They're the players. But you can look on paper, bro. And anybody that knows basketball, anybody that knows sports can tell you that maybe Russell Westbrook and LeBron James are not the best pairing. And maybe DeMar DeRozan pairing with LeBron James would be a little bit better. Or hell, I don't know if you remember, but you had Buddy Heald. That probably could have, or you had a Buddy Hill trade before you had the Westbrook trade. That probably could have helped too. Seeing as though the Lakers are arguably the worst three-point shooting team in the league. So I understand that LeBron James is going to have an output. I mean, it's LeBron James. I would not expect him not to. But there are certain, like, you have to do what's best for your team. So with Magic Johnson and people pretty much saying that it's LeBron James' fault, I do think that he played a huge part in them choosing Russell Westbrook over DeMar DeRozan. At the end of the day, you have to look at the person that's building the team. LeBron James is not building the team. Yes, again, he has probably more output than other people because he's LeBron James. He's not building the team. He He's not the one pulling the trigger. That's the GM, Rob Palenka, and the owner. So I don't think it's fair that you put the blame on LeBron. I do think that LeBron does deserve some criticism, um, but I don't think that you can put it on him So or put the blame on him. So, hey, but there you have it. Uh, that's been – oh. <laughs> That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodies, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. Add multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Yay. Get your get your get your uh unpopular podcast merch today. Also, uh please subscribe to have you listening. Please subscribe to have you watching. If you can share it, comment, uh, leave a like. Hell, leave a dislike if you don't like it. I'm just trying to get, you know, the algorithms going. I want more people to uh, experience the unpopular podcast, whether that's on the DSPs, whether that's on YouTube. I'm just trying to get more people to experience it. And I can't do it without you guys' help. Rate it if you listen on DSPs, maybe Apple Music, five stars if you like it. I don't know. I'm just trying to get more people engaged. So, oh, and if you do leave a comment nine times out of ten, I'm going to respond. Um, Happy birthday, Brittany. And uh, until next time, much love. Ain't no way niggas still doubt me after this shit. Ain't no way been here this long and still ain't rich. I done done my savings and my dreams like, hey, pull up on your bitch like, wait. Still talking sleep like way. Nigga on the road, my escape. Humble as a bitch, but not today. Ride through the six without the Drake, but got the Drake. Oh, oh, oh. Gotta take it slow. Fuck up on my way. Been five years. Still ain't took a break. I done did so much and still I paid my way. Good poker face. Do that shit with great. Ain't no way, 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 ain't no way. When bitches smiling in my face, wanna take what I make.
lake, take a break, and come back when it resonate. I raise the stakes, I put the fire to the flame, I put the haters shit to shame. Such a shame, they can't break a bitch with what they say. I wake up and I choose the money, they wake up and they choose the hate. They can't mimic the image, they don't know what to do. These bitches been itching for an issue, couldn't fit in my shoes. What's the real rules and regulations? Like, what's the conversation? What you really saying? Nah, for real, nigga. What you really saying? Ain't no way I ain't gon' Shawshank from out the shit. Shovel snow, shivering and cold. I don't want the silver, what's your ghost? I saw myself sinking, shouted, slippery the slope. My partner prays a lot and slang dope. My block the same, we rock the same clothes. Watch the same shows, reading rainbows. Fuck the same hoes, keep the bang closed. Let the thing blow like, oh, oh, oh. Away. It's the way I'm living out my final days I feel like Jay Chakra flowing through me like a tidal wave Rivals made to be a slave inside my suicidal page Watch them perish with the H We ain't where the Eiffel stay Over the years, friends turn to enemies Bullets curving left and right Sort of like parentheses Viciously, I could turn your sympathies to symphonies And I could send you up the same day you try to send for me Niggas be getting famous off of infamy Infiltrate the industry by using my life to write and hit At first I used to fight the shit. Jigga Man made his first album at 26. I passed 25. I was 17 getting rich. Ain't no way. I was gonna take what people sell me. Run the jewels cause I kill a mic on any LP. Train the mind, body and soul. You can't derail me. Trust between God and myself. They'll never fail me. Ain't no way niggas still down me after this shit. Ain't no way been here this long and still ain't rich. I done done my savings and my dreams like a hey. Pull up on your bitch like way Still talking sleep like way Nigga on the road might escape Humble as a bitch but not today Riding through the six without the Drake but got the Drake Oh, oh, oh